Hey y'all, and welcome to the All Caught Up Podcast. I'm Kelly Hayes-Smith, productivity specialist and transformation coach. If you are a fempreneur who's ready to ditch the overwhelm, stop playing catch up, and create a game plan to rock your biggest goals, well, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll be chatting work-life balance, productivity tips and strategies, and how to keep all the balls in the air without feeling like the whole world's spinning. Are you ready to put your feet on the floor? Let's get started. Hey, Courtney, welcome to the All Caught Up podcast. How are you? Hello, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm wonderful. I am. I'm so excited. I told you I was binging your social media content. I'm excited for this conversation. But before we dive in, will you tell everybody a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Courtney Tucker. I am an online business coach um, slash mom. <laughs> um, I started my online coaching business back in 2017 as a health and fitness coach um, with the desire, like so many new entrepreneurs, to create more freedom in my life, to um, get away from having such a rigid schedule. Uh, my background is in elementary education. And so I was a classroom teacher for five years. And while I really enjoyed the work, it didn't align with the type of lifestyle that I wanted to create for myself and, and my family. Um, and so I had no idea what I was doing, but just decided to, to start trying. And I, um, grew my fitness coaching business to, I exceeded six figures in my first year, which was amazing. And from there, people kind of organically started reaching out to me and asking, you know, how did you do this? Can you show me how to do it? Um, and I was honestly just figuring things out as I went. Um, but I just started to, um, kind of help people on the side and mentor people through what I did. And so that kind of quickly evolved into becoming a business coach. Um, and in, 2019, the beginning of 2019, I fully made the transition. Um, I left health and fitness coaching and went full-time into business coaching. Uh, from there, I had the opportunity to um, coach for Amanda Bucci. If anyone knows who that is, I worked really closely with her inside her um, kind of business accelerator program. Um, and I got to do sales and enrollment for her. I worked with a couple other um, bigger influencers and entrepreneurs. And so through that, I got like this immense amount of experience in a really uh, short amount of time. And since then, I've, I've gone fully off on my own. But now I work with um, clients to help them grow their coaching businesses. Most of my clients are in the health, fitness and wellness space, but I do work with all different types of online coaches um, with the, the mission and the goal to help people create more freedom in their life, financial freedom, time freedom, location freedom, uh, doing work that they love and that they're super passionate about while having you know a big impact um, in the world. So that's in a nutshell uh, what I do. <laughs> I, I love that. Freedom is a big thing. I feel like I work primarily with time, um, but freedom is such a, a thing. We were talking about this before I hit record. We almost always start our own businesses for freedom. And I my husband is an educator. He was middle school for a lot of years. And this year he is elementary ed um, assistant principal. And I have heard so many people say to him, like it must, the schedule must be nice. And I laugh out loud. Cause I'm like, <laughs> there is like, it's weekends, nights, holidays, so all summer long. It's not a get off at three and have also summer off. It doesn't work like that. And so I totally understand. Tell me a little bit about what it looked like. Like 
when you you first took the plunge, you get off of you get out of classroom teaching and it's like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself. Did you have a hard time finding those freedoms? Like, did you have a mindset block around those freedoms? What did that look like? Oh, great question. I think, I mean, there was a season for sure where I was juggling all the things, right? I was, I was still working a nine to five. I actually went from um, teaching. I left that and started personal training and managing at a gym. So that was kind of my step in the direction of um, getting into the health and fitness and wellness space. So I became a personal trainer and I did that for about a year. And so there was a season when I started my online business where I was training, I was managing. And so that was like 60 hours a week. And then I was building my business on the side and I was, you know, you get accustomed to working like 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You work nights and you work weekends. And at the time I wasn't a mom. And so it, it was fine. I loved what I was doing and it was, you know, kind of the hustle, but it certainly was not a long-term thing. And when I made the transition, I left my, um, my, that my full-time job and was solely working in my business. I definitely had to go through an adjustment period of getting away from feeling the need to work all the time. And I hear this a lot from, from clients. And I, I remember experiencing this myself is you feel like because you have the time, you should be working. And so you create these stories in your head that the more that I work, the more successful I'll be. And if I'm not working 12, 15 hour days, then I'm not going to be successful or I'm not doing you know, the best I could do. And so I definitely had to work through a lot of those, um, you know, we're just limiting stories that I was, you know, buying into and really find a schedule um, that, that worked for me and allowed me to actually be more productive and more efficient with my time. I'm going to zero in on something you said. So you said when you first left, it was definitely you like did the hustle and it wasn't long-term. That is a huge belief of me is hustle is not sustainable. There's a season you're going to have to hustle, but it cannot be long-term. That is a sprint. It's short distance and it's short lived because if you continue to hustle, you are going to burn out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I remember hearing the term burnout in the beginning and being like, that's not real. I love doing this. I love doing this. No, it's real. Like it's very, very real. And I think the more proactive we can be at, you know, recognizing when we need to slow down before we completely break down <laughs> can really help to mitigate that. Yeah. And I also think um, talking about like feeling like you have to be busy. Now that is a big thing that I see with my clients. So I was talking to a client this morning and she had gone from a nine to five. Well, it wasn't even a nine to five, a 12 hour shift job at a hospital to working for herself. And she is struggling because she feels like she has to be busy every minute she has available. She feels guilty because her kids still go to daycare. And so she's like, or well, a babysitter. And she's like, every minute they're gone, I should be working on it. Whoa. Busy doesn't equal successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, the age old adage, work smarter, not harder is a hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. And something I really teach and I really encourage everyone to consider is shifting from busy to productive. Yes. I'm sure we've all experienced the you know, phenomena that happens. If you give yourself eight hours to complete a task, you will take eight hours. If you give yourself 
two hours to complete the same task and guarantee you can get it done in two hours. It's all a matter of um, your perception of it. And I find actually when I give myself shorter windows of time, I know I have to buckle down and focus. And I think it's more about how we use the hours that we have, the quality of our work and our ability to focus during the time versus the quantity that you're working. 100%. And also, are the tasks hard hitting? Like, mm. are we doing busy work? Like, are we doing things that are just keeping us busy? Or are we doing tasks that are actually needle moving tasks? Absolutely. Yeah, that is, you know, one of the things, you know, I teach in, in the, the time leadership process that I teach is identifying what I call your high yield activities. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what you're referring to here. And if you're listening to this and you aren't really clear on what your high yield activities are, the things that are actually going to move you closer to your goals, it is really worth you taking the time like immediately to sit down and say, what are the two, three four things I need to do today or this week that will actually move me closer to my goals. And something that, that I find when we talk about busy work is that the things we keep ourselves busy with are usually the things that are easy and that are comfortable and that aren't stretching us, but also aren't helping us grow. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like nodding. Away. You're like, yes, yes, exactly. Well, because we also procrastinate the things that are harder and we, but so the busy work too can be things that we're excited about doing, right? Like, so totally. getting stuck in on your Instagram bio while your Instagram bio is important. You also don't need to be spending eight hours a day working on your Instagram bio. Same thing with hashtags, like hashtags so are important, true. but you don't need to be spending days upon days finding the just right hashtag banks. If your content isn't there, it's not going to hit as hard. Um, and so one of the things I teach to find those activities, especially for people who are having a hard time finding out what's working and what's not, is I do a to-do list audit with my clients. And Ooh. so they have to write down, number one, they have to write down what they're doing. So their tasks. Beside that, they have to write down why. What is your goal or gain you're intending to get from that task? If it doesn't align with one, cross it off, put it off to yourself later, put it on a different list, but it doesn't go on this one. And then over the next six to eight weeks, every time you have a growth or a gain, you have to go back to that list and make note of where it came from. And there can be multiple ones that it's associated with. But if after a solid month, six weeks, you can start seeing which tasks are actually moving you forward and which tasks you're doing that aren't generating anything for you. And so you can mark those off or do those in less time. And then focus in on how you can do more of the things that are moving. It's that's such a good exercise. I love that. Okay. I have to share something now that that's might blow some people's minds. <laughs> so one of the struggles I hear a lot from newer entrepreneurs or not even just newer entrepreneurs, just a lot of, of, you know, people I work with is, you know, I, I'm struggling to make sales, right? I'm, I'm struggling to find more clients and build my book of clients. So if, if you're struggling with that right now, listen up, tune back in. And so the question I always ask is, how much time are you spending on sales activities? And they're usually like, they think for a minute and they're like, oh, you see this little light bulb go off in their head and they're like, not really much at all. I'm like, well, if you're not spending a lot of times on things that are driving sales, it makes sense that you're struggling to make sales, right? And the example I often give for me that, the, you know, where I was really guilty of this is I would spend like, 17 hours in Canva 
like creating a graphic in Canva, you know? And so I think we all need to be really mindful around where um, we're leaking energy, right? Our energy leaks and our, you know, our time leaks. Where are you spending time that maybe isn't as effective as it could be? And, and what are you procrastinating or pushing off that you know will actually move you closer to where you're trying to go? I think that's so important too. And I'll tell you something else I think people struggle with sales on. And this is a productivity. So to me, all of this is productivity because if you're not moving forward, you're not being productive. Like that's just the way I see it. Productivity is not about crossing more crap off of your list every day. It's about going somewhere. Mm -hmm. If you get in your car and drive around in circles, but you never have an endpoint, you're not moving yourself any further and you're just driving aimlessly. That's what being busy is like. If you get in your car and you take the shortest route to your destination, that's being productive. Yep, exactly. So, but one of the things that I think about sales is people aren't telling people how to buy from them because it comes off as salesy. Well, nobody wants like, you don't need to post an ad style post every single day, but your call to action can be how they can get more of the value you just provided. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as like talking about what you do. And as, as simple as that sounds, I see so many coaches who are, um, not sharing what they do. Like I could spend 10 minutes on your page and I still don't know what you sell. And so it should be really obvious to your community. What are you selling and how do they take action? And if you're not consistently sharing about your offers, then of course people aren't going to be like begging to work with you because they don't even know what you do. And so um, I think that really just needs to become part of like a regular practice when we talk about the sales thing, but that's a whole nother topic. Well, it is, it, but, but it all works together because that then turns into that high yield activity that you were talking mm -hmm. about, or, you know, a move, needle moving task mm -hmm. is then talking about that. And that, that's one of the things I teach priority based planning. Um, and so I do work on that as a, as an entire holistic approach to life, like not just business, Love but that. business is there as well. And your priorities in business have to be how you make money. I mean, it just has to be, you may not be money driven, but your business has to be money driven. And so you have to think that has to be your priority. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have to say, you know, sales is the lifeblood of your business. And if you're not bringing money in, um, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. And I think people who have a bad relationship with money or feel salesy or feel guilty for taking money or whatever, you really, that's where you need to start is you need to start with, you know, really working to improve your relationship with money because the truth is the more money that you make, the more people you can help um, through your work, but also through your, you know, financial you know, means. And you can also help by hiring. A, if you need to hire a business coach, you hire another small business mom who's coaching for business. If you need to hire um, someone to do your social media, you can, you can help employ other people, but you also have value. And you have to remember that you're not just selling them something you are, you are giving them value. And in turn, they're allowing you to have work. It's, it's, it's symbiotic all the way across. And I think that's so important to remember that. And that's a really, a really hard topic for a lot of people to grasp because we, the pendulum has swung so much. Like I don't want to be salesy. And here's the other thing. Um, I actually, I recorded another podcast earlier today with a network marketer and we actually touched on this subject. Um, and that one will air right around this one. So you probably have just heard that podcast. Um, but 
So I think network marketers get that rap as well. Like, you know, because it's everything tends to be, and it doesn't have to be this way, but there's a lot of them that will just post a product picture and it's a copy and paste caption, right? And so it feels salesy because it's just inauthentic. Yeah. Is that a word? I'm going to go with Yes, that. it is, definitely. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it just seems inauthentic. Mm -hmm. If you were actually sharing value and how your service or your product serves someone, how it can solve a problem, you're not being salesy. You are offering value. Yeah. I mean, sales is literally just giving people the opportunity to work with you or the opportunity to improve their life through whatever it is that you're offering. So you have had a journey from in-classroom education to fitness to business coaching. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, so the ups and downs of entrepreneurship are there. It doesn't matter where we are in business. They are always there. Tell me share some of the struggles you've had and just how it has, how you've been able to put your feet back on the floor and get back up and going again. Yeah. Oh gosh. How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Um, I mean, so I started my business in July of 2017 and I vividly remember it was early September because my husband and I were out to dinner for our anniversary. And I vividly remember crying at the dinner table to him to tell him I was quitting. I was done. I couldn't do this anymore. So about two months in. And fortunately, he wasn't going to take that. He gave me a good, a good pep talk, like, you know, good supportive husband does. And I, I realized in that moment, and the reason I was, I was wanting to quit and I, I didn't want to do this anymore is I was not good at sales. I, I believed so I can't do, I can't do this. I had been on like 20 sales calls and, you know, not close to sale. And so I decided in that moment, like I have a choice. I can either quit and just stay at my, my nine to five job. Right. Or I can decide to learn and improve and get better. And that's really the first big, big dip I remember having on this entrepreneur roller coaster. And from there forward, I, I learned through that experience that as entrepreneurs, our goal isn't to avoid failure. Our goal isn't to avoid the dips. Our goal is to get better at bouncing back from them and to equip ourselves with the tools and the resources and the mentorship and the community and things that are going to help pull us out of the, the dips more quickly. And yeah. then... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I don't have anything. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm yes, <laughs> yes. And so then, you know, the more times you fall down, the more you realize it's it's just a season and you're going to figure it out and you're going to get back up. And one of my favorite quotes is the only way to fail is to stop trying. And unfortunately, I see because I've worked and coached inside so many new beginner um, like business accelerator coaching programs, I've seen a lot of people come into entrepreneurship and leave very quickly because they think I did a launch. I launched my program and nobody bought it. I'm not meant to do this. Right. Or they launched three or four times and they don't really get any traction and they think I'm not meant to do this and they quit. And the truth is most people, I get that, you know, you, it's really easy for people to flaunt their, you know, six figure launches or, you know, I made, you know, this much overnight. That's not the reality for most people. Most people, um, 
if I were to just think off the top of my head from a, the many, 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 many hundreds of beginner coaches I've worked with, it takes probably seven, eight, 10 launches to really start to gain some traction. And so I'm just going to encourage you that even if you're on your 20th launch, if this is what you want to do, like keep going, but make sure that you're improving as you keep going. Right. And learning. Like and learning. Investing. And, and I, I love to work with ground floor business owners. That's my favorite. Um, solopreneurs, moms who are working with toddlers, you know, trying to keep them from sharpieing the walls at the same time. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's my jam. And I made sure that I had offers that met people where they were. So, you know, an entry level offer and then a mid ticket offer and a, and a higher ticket offer so that I could meet people where they were. But the thing that we have to remember is these people who are saying my six figure launch, nobody's bragging about their failure in the moment. They're going to go back and tell you that story. People who are six figure earners or six figure launchers, they want you to know that they started where you were because now that makes them relatable. But when they were where you are, they weren't bragging about it. They weren't talking about it. So the other thing I think that we have to remember is there's a curtain that a lot of, especially ground floor entrepreneurs don't understand that you have to pull back when they tell you that they just had a $50,000 day. They maybe some of them did, but a lot of them didn't actually make $50,000 that day. They had a commitment of $50,000 and it could have been, could be over the next year. It's not that somebody gave them $50,000 and it can be, but like for the most part, we have to get real about what that actually looks like because we start comparing ourselves and being like, oh, they did that. How could I ever? When a lot of that is smoke and what is the, the what is the thing? Smoke and whistles or smoke and be bells and smoke. I don't know. Bells and, I don't know. It's something. And it's, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a facade. It's true. But the way they're selling it isn't exactly how it happened. Yes. It's called marketing. Exactly. <laughs> and, and as a business owner, you become a good marketer, right? Because you want to share the things that are going to attract the people you want to attract. And um, there's a very fine line to walk between marketing things in a way that people, you know, will, will, it'll grab their attention. Right. I mean, at the beginning of this interview at this podcast, I shared that I, you know, made six figures in my first year as a health and fitness coach. And then I just shared that I had like 20 no's before I ever signed my first client. Right. And, and that's, and you're exactly right. It's marketing. But what I want, like, especially ground floor entrepreneurs to understand is that five, like, you know, if we had a five figure, six figure launch, that's impressive. And that's to be celebrated but you don't have to compare your ground floor journey with their few years deep and that it's not always what it appears. So, you know, allow yourself the grace to be where you are. Yeah, absolutely. And don't even compare your ground floor journey to someone else's ground floor no. journey because you're different and you know, you have, you're coming into this with different experience and um, nobody is born good at sales. Like no. that's what I had to always remind myself is that sales is a skill. It's a skill that you develop through practice. And if you are resistant towards practicing because you're holding back from stepping into those sales conversations, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. 
because I think one of the reasons I don't think I know one of the reasons that I became so good at sales and I became known for, you know, sales in this industry. And I've been hired to do a lot of um, presentations and coaching and things on sales specifically. And I look back and the reason I became so good at sales was because I was a sales and enrollment specialist for two larger um, influencers. I did all of their their sales and their sales calls. So in a matter of like a year, I was on hundreds of sales calls. And so I got this like tons and tons of practice. And so it's the cliche of like fail faster, right? The faster you fail and just throw yourself into the ring and start learning, the faster you're going to grow. Because we learn from failure. We don't learn from success. 100%. We don't, don't, you know, you fail forward. That's all you can do. And if anyone, and there are some overnight successes out there, but there are far more blood, sweat, tears, and years. Yeah. Successes. One foot in front of the other. And so this is going to go back to productivity a little bit, but I want to hear your opinion on this. My, my opinion, and this is talking about the years and it's, it's talk. One of the things that I feel like is that we're trying to do too much. Like we have too much on our to-do list or, you know, and this is strictly in business. I'm, I'm talking about that, but like we have all these shoulds Well, she's doing X, Y, Z, and then the rest of the alphabet too. So I should be. And so now I'm doing all of these things. That means I'm doing all these things. I'm spread thin. Nothing's deep. And instead the success actually comes from doing a handful of things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and getting better at these things rather than trying to do all the things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can apply that to so many different things. Right. And what I see a lot with um, the clients I work with is they come in and let's say they launch a one-on-one private coaching package. Right. And then they do that for like a month or something. And they're like, now I want to launch a group coaching program. And then they try to do that and they don't have a lot of success with that. So like now I want to launch a membership and they try that and they're like, well, these things are too expensive. So I'm going to launch some low ticket, you know, 30 day challenge thing. Right. And so they're jumping from offer to offer and offer. And they think that the reason people aren't buying, the reason they're not getting traction is because people want something cheaper or people want something different. And the truth is you just need to rinse and repeat the same thing. And so for the vast majority of my clients, I teach them to fill up one program first. Like do not launch a second offer until you have your first offer up and running like a well-oiled machine. And that may not apply to, to, you know, every business. Um, but the point being is you have to have so much focus and so much, um, you know, ability to go deep with one thing versus spreading yourself so thin and doing everything just like halfway. Right. And we, we follow, we find these entrepreneurs that we love on Instagram or on whatever. And so, but we don't find just one and nobody should be mimicking somebody else. That's not what I'm saying. But like, we aren't just looking at one person. We're looking at like 10 people. And so now we're looking at 10 people's different offers and trying to put it all into us. And we're patchworking something instead of making something that works, you know, specifically for us. Actually, I had a huge breakthrough this month. Um, I've been in business right out of year. It was a year in September. Yay. Congrats. Happy anniversary. (laughs) I know. Right. So thank you. Um, and I really feel like I finally have my offer suite exactly where I want it. And Mm -hmm. I had one that, um, I ended up having to push 
because I had a sick kiddo earlier and I just didn't get the launch done. And me six months ago would have been torn all to pieces. The me now is like, eh, I'll do it next month. It's not a big deal. Like, whatever. Or I'll push it till next quarter if I need to. It's not a big deal. I don't, I'm not stressed over that. And I, when I said it, I was like, wow, that feels good. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have to do everything. And, and I do like, you know, high, mid, low ticket offers, but I started as a coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then something else and mm -hmm. then something else. And, mm -hmm. and also the, what else you find out when you start doing that is what you actually like to do and what you're good at versus where you thought you would like to do and what you thought you would be good at. Absolutely. It's so true. And I, I fully support and believe in having multiple streams of revenue and, you know, multiple offers and expanding your product suite. I just think a lot of people do it too fast. Not at one time. And they, yeah. And it's like, you know, they have squirrel brain and cause they want to do all these things. Cause most entrepreneurs are creatives and big thinkers and they're multi-passionate and they want to do a hundred things. And the truth is you can, you just can't do them all at once. <laughs> that's what I was get that you yeah. can do it all, you can have it all, and you can be it all, but you can't do it all at one time. Yeah. Yeah. And slow down. But you also hit on another word that I was actually going to bring up next: multi-passionate. This mm -hmm. is a thing that I have had some issues with with some clients on because they have like three businesses that they want to do at one time, and the three businesses don't have anything to do with each other. Mm. And it's very hard because you don't want to squash somebody's like big thinking. However, your their following is so confused by what they do that they end up losing people. Yeah. Can you touch on that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do think that it's hard to choose if you really feel like you're passionate about multiple things. And so when I've encountered this with clients, I encourage them to give themselves a certain amount of time to experiment with all the things, right? So maybe you give yourself 30 days or three months or whatever feels appropriate for you to experiment with maybe trying talking about different topics, right? And see how it feels for you. See how it's received by your audience, right? See, um, what lights you up and what do you get excited to talk about and know that you can you can act on all of the things at some point but give yourself a certain amount of time before you choose one to run with because if you spend too much time in that limbo of you know you spend two years like kind of talking about three different things it's going to be really really hard for you to gain traction and really make an impact with the one thing and so um you know, giving yourself that specific window can help you to give yourself some time to experiment, but then make a decision and, and run with it and know that if you get, you know, down the line and decide it's not what you want to do, you can always, you can always pivot. But like you mentioned, Kelly, your audience will just be confused and then you won't really be known for anything. Yeah. And that's what I feel like. And it's so, to me, I'm going to always go back to productivity, but to me, it's all, it's just so unproductive to split your time because honestly you can, I had a coach tell me one time, I said, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And she said, do you think Nike ever gets tired of saying, just do it? Mm, yeah. You can, they don't, I mean, you just say it over and over again. But if you've got multiple things that you're talking about, 
you aren't being consistent with any one thing because you're not saying the same thing over and over yeah. again. Yeah. And the big the big question people have on online and on social media, right, is how do I stand out? Right. Everyone wants to know how do I stand out? How do I set myself apart? That's how you own one thing and you become the expert, the go to person, the authority in that space. And if you um, when you're getting started, I think that's even more important. And then as you grow, you can expand and you can become known for multiple things, right? Like Tony Robbins and, you know, Mel Robbins and Jensen Cheryl, like they can talk more broader messages because they've established themselves in one thing, right? Um, even Lewis Howes, like he was the LinkedIn expert when he started, right? And then he's obviously expanded since then. So you, you earn your right to go wide by starting really narrow and getting your name known for one specific thing. And that's really how you build authority and build credibility. And if you're talking about multiple things, in my opinion, that really um, takes away your credibility and your authority. So agree. And I love what you just said. You, you start narrow to earn the right to go wide. That is huge. That is a massive quote right there because it is it is so true and it that can be on multiple niches but it can also be on multiple offers and it can also mean on multiple topics Absolutely. um so let me ask you i'm gonna put you on the spot what is the one your one thing that you would your narrow that you would have started with before you earn the right to go wide yeah i definitely would say i am known for sales like sales for online coaches um that is you know, my go-to I'm shifting a little bit, I would say in this upcoming season, um, as we're rebranding a little bit and really our mission with the, the new offers that we'll be, we'll be launching later this year is all about helping people, uh, leave their nine to fives. And so helping online coaches who are just getting started, go from, you know, zero to freedom. It's going to be called, um, nine to five to freedom. Um, and a lot of that is still positioned around sales, but it's, it's more than that. Um, but I would say that's where I kind of position myself, I guess, in the industry is really being an expert at um, organic sales. That's that's awesome. And I, you know, knowing that and owning that, I feel like it's such important. And for people to hear you being so sure of yourself on that, just knowing and if you don't know what your lane is do a brain dump of the things you're really good at. Go back and look at your social media. What do you see yourself talking about over and over and over again? And and find that because that's the thing. That is your secret sauce. Your secret mm -hmm. sauce is you. And so if you are trying to be all of the other things, all of the, all the things is a phrase that I absolutely despise because mm -hmm. when you try to do all the things, number one, you're putting this, this idea on yourself that you, that that's doable or should be done. Um, and number two, when we do all the things, we don't do anything well because we're not focused on anything. But um, owning what you do really well um, will give you the confidence to get out there and speak it over and over again. Yeah, it's so true. And confidence really sells. Yeah. Um, I don't care what industry you're in or what you are selling. If you believe in it and you are confident in what you're selling, you are going to have a far easier time selling it than if you are um, coming from a place of, you know, you're talking around your words and you're not really very clear and you're kind of, you know, wishy-washy and you're letting people walk on you. Like confidence, if I were to give you one sales tip, it's that. It's you have to believe in what you sell. 
I, that's just so, it's so true. And that's one of the reasons I think stories sell so much because you can get on there and talk. People can hear the passion in your voice come through. Absolutely. And it's something that most people, I won't say everyone, but most entrepreneurs are not doing enough of when they start. And I think this comes from a place of, you're, you're, you're all probably familiar with the term imposter syndrome, right? I'm an imposter. Who am I to be doing this? And we doubt ourselves as humans. And because of that, I think a lot of uh, new entrepreneurs overcompensate by wanting to give so much information and educational content. And so their feed ends up being a lot of tips and advice and three ways to do this and five, you know, tips for this. And they lose the story element. And the story element is really what relates you to, to people. It's what makes you human. It's what also sets you apart and helps you stand out. And so really finding that right balance for you between the educational content and the storytelling content um, is going to help because you're right. That's really well, what calls people to buy. That value content builds your authority. That's when you can say, here, I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Here's this value. And I also like when people give good value, because when they give good value, people are like, they give this away. What am I getting if I pay them? So if you're giving really solid, if you're giving fluff value away, you're not helping yourself give that good, solid value away. But the, the content, when you're telling your stories, when you're giving your stories and and I don't mean stories and Instagram stories. I mean, like you're telling your story, you're sharing your purpose. Most of us created our offers for who we were, right? Like my entire business is built on strategies that I used when I was really suffering from postpartum anxiety. Telling that story tells people where I came from. It makes me relatable and it's going to draw people in. I'm sure yours yeah. is the same way. Like you said, you really struggled Definitely. with sales and now you're known for sales. Yep. And that is what pulls people in. So you have to be relatable and you have to show your authority. And those are the two ways you do it. Am I, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you're, um, what is the, oh, Russell Brunson is the one who says you share how you learned it or earned it. So you either learned it through, you know, education or through your own, you know, past, or you earned it through your experiences. And so those are going to be your greatest assets um, is as far as sales go is to be able to share your knowledge, but also your experience um, that brought you to, you know, why somebody should hire you or buy from you. Yeah. And I, you know, and I love Canva and I think, I think, and I noticed on my own feed the other day, I was way too graphic heavy. I had been sharing a lot of value posts and information. Um, and my face was way lower down on the grid. And it was because I had so many ideas and I let them all go out at once instead of telling real stories. I, I mean, and that's the thing, no matter how long you've been doing it, no matter how much success you've had, you can still look back and be like, whoa, I'm falling into that trap too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's absolutely like a strategy behind it, right? Like there's going to be, you know, I teach different launch phases. So depending on which phase you're in of your launch, you're going to lean more heavily on educational content versus storytelling content. And so you find through different seasons of your business that you're going to have an ebb and flow between your types of content. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think it's worth everyone doing a little self-assessment and just maybe looking at your feed, looking at your content and just saying, is this a reflection? Is this the right balance? 
balance of what I want to be sharing? And if not, what do I need to do to kind of get it back in balance? And I think that's so important because I think self-assessment is one of the number one keys to being productive. How, what are you, what are you doing? Look at what you're doing and check in with yourself. What's working, what's not, stop doing what's not, do more of what is, and being honest with how you're feeling about what you're doing. Oh, a thousand percent. I actually started this practice not long ago where when I lay in bed at night, instead of, you know, scrolling social media, um, I take a few minutes to just reflect on my day and just say, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what what do I want to do different differently next time? And that's just on a really small scale. If you zoom out, you can do that with everything in your business. That's where you can really start to use your failures and these dips to go back what we were talking to before to propel you forward, right? Failures themselves don't help you grow, right? It's what you do with the failure that helps you grow. So falling down is your potential for growth, but you have to do the self-reflection to say, why didn't that launch work? Why did that post flop? Why did I not, you know, close that sales call? If you are not reflecting and asking those questions and coming from a place of curiosity rather than judgment, you're not going to move forward. And so if you're launching, oh, and I talk about launching because I, I, you know, teach launches. So if that's not applicable, but you can apply it to anything. If you're right. doing the same thing over and over and over and you're not getting different results, you're probably missing that reflection and that growth piece, right? And this is where having a coach or a mentor or someone who can come alongside you and help you through that process can be really valuable. So you're not, you know, on an island trying to do that on your own. Yeah. And I, I think that's another thing in our business in the entrepreneur world, especially online is finding the right community. Coaches are important, people like that, but also just friends that you surround yourself with that you can vent to because not everybody understands this world. Oh my gosh. Most people don't like most people in your geographic location probably don't um, unless you live in, you know, like a very uppity place. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. So most people in the middle of the Midwest don't, don't get it. I, I live in a little bitty city in Northeastern Tennessee. So yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> no, right there. So or when, you, when they hear online business, they immediately go to network marketing. That's where everybody's head goes. Oh, interesting. I've, I've had people ask me, what company are you with? And I'm like, me, <laughs> I am the company because they don't, it's not, and it's not, on purpose, but it's just, it's, that's why that community and learning about, you know, learning other people and, and communicating, even if you are not, they're not buying from you and you're not buying from them. It's okay to create a friends group. Yeah, absolutely. I I just read literally in the book I'm reading right now, I just read a statistic that said 95% of your success can be determined by the people you surround yourself with. And I know we've all heard that before, like you become like the people you hang out with, but it is so true. And it is going to be very, 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 very hard for you to be successful as a business owner if you are not surrounding yourself with people who think like you think, people who are doing big things, people who are challenging the norm, people who are stepping outside of what's comfortable, people who aren't willing to settle for mediocrity, but who want more for their lives. You have to find your squad, you have to find your tribe, you have to find those people. And what I love about our industry, though, is that they don't have to be next door. No, most of mine are, none of mine are. <laughs> none of mine are either. And that's so important. 
Okay, so I'm going to switch gears just a little bit because before we get off of this, I want you to share because you had told me that you had four practices. And especially since I'm really into productivity and doing little things that make a big impact, four practices that every entrepreneur can do to reach their biggest potential. So I want to know what those secrets are. Yeah. So, um, this is really what I call like the ultimate recipe for success for things that I don't know if they're necessarily practices, but things that will, um, that are necessary for you to, to reach your full potential and to be as successful as you can be. So the first one is desire. You have to want it badly enough to keep going when it's not convenient, when it gets hard, when you don't want to, when you feel uncomfortable, when it doesn't work, like you have to know your, your why. Um, and that's what's going to motivate you when you're not motivated, right? And so the deeper and the more clear you can be on your desire for why you're working towards whatever it is that you're working towards, and the more you can keep that at the forefront of your mind, um, that's going to be like your like internal motivation to keep going, right? Um, number two is direction, right? There are many people that are very highly motivated and they have a strong desire to build something incredible, but they don't know how, right? So you have to have a roadmap. You have to have a guide. You have to um, be continually seeking that mentorship and that guidance and, and finding how you can get from where you are today to where you want to go. Otherwise, you know, like we've talked about um, earlier, you're going to be running in circles. You're going to be a hamster on a wheel. And so that direction is invaluable. Number three is self-discipline and focus. Um, self-discipline, I think of as very simply just doing what you said you would do when you said you would do it. And I know we've already touched on this in the, in this, um, you know, episode, so I won't go deep into it, but it's really required for you to follow through on your commitments, especially when life gets in the way, because inevitably like life is going to get in the way. And so you have to develop, um, the self-discipline, um, to focus on your priorities and to focus on those high impact activities and to, do the thing that's uncomfortable to do the thing that you resist, but you know, you need to do to move you forward. And then the fourth one is courage. And it's having the courage to run your own race, having the courage to stay in your own lane, having the courage to go against the norm, having the courage to do things when people around you are telling you, you shouldn't, um, you know, having the courage to stand out rather than blend in, um, take risks, get uncomfortable. Like you are going to fail, right? In case you didn't know, like you will fail, like there are going to be failures. And so you have to have, um, the courage to just keep going, to reach new levels, um, to get back up again and again and again. Um, you know, it's not an overnight thing. Um, and so, yeah, that, those are the four, those That's are the four things. So good. I, you know, courage to me too is important. There's that brave quote. What is it? Our, our destiny is out there if we're just brave enough to see it or whatever. Ooh, I, I love that. I just butchered it, but it's not the exact one, but it, that's what it's essentially like. And it's from, it's Merida from Brave. And that's the thing. 
I also love that you said courage to stay in your own lane, because mm -hmm. I feel like that's so important because if you lose sight of your lane and where you are, again, you confuse the people that are watching you and you get off your target and you have to keep your eyes on your prize. And I think that one to me is so key too, because that mm -hmm. seems like, you know, courage to stay in your own lane, but to me, that is courageous because it is very tempting to sidetrack yourself because this has become popular all of a sudden. So let me go over here and do this because it's trending. And that's not that's not going to get you where you're going because your your focus just left. Yeah. Yeah. And in today's, you know, social media world, I think that's harder more than ever. Yeah. We get shiny syndrome where it's shiny stuff. We're chasing everything. And that then takes off the consistency of doing that thing over and over and over again. Like I said, my coach said to me, do you think Nike ever got tired of saying, don't just do it? Um, nope. It's they'd say it on every commercial and every billboard and every magazine and every athlete and it still works. And all they need is just do it in their swoosh and you know who they are and you know what they sell. And I mean, that's all you should know, need to know. Say the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's Courtney. how you build your brand. Yeah, I love it. This was amazing. This I hope you enjoyed it because I really enjoyed it. I so did. Thank um, you for having me. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, the best place to connect with me would either be on Instagram at Courtney Tucker with an underscore at the end. Or if you want to go a little bit more uh, deep with me, I do have a free Facebook group community where I do free trainings. Uh, currently, they're on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I give a ton of just free stuff in there. You could just go binge all the live trainings I've done this year and probably build a, a six-figure business with them. But it's called the Successful Online Coaches Community. Uh, business strategy and networking. And I'll, I can send you the link to drop that in the show yeah, notes. They will be in the show notes right below. Thank Amazing. you so much. I enjoyed hanging out with you. And I actually think I'm going to probably jump over into your Facebook group. Please do. We'd love to have you. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Courtney. Thank you so much for hanging with me. All right. Have a good one. Thanks, Kelly. That's it, y'all. You're all caught up for the week. Make sure to subscribe so you can stay the same for next week. I'll talk to you soon.